Hello and welcome to Inside Scoop Live. I'm your host, Sherry Hoyt. Today I'm speaking with Geza Tetralier, author of 10 published books in the genres of thrillers, memoirs, poetry, and children's books. Born in Budapest, Hungary, Geza escaped with his family in 1956 during the Hungarian Revolution, immigrating to Canada the same year. He grew up in Toronto, attending the University of Toronto Schools, where he was school captain, and graduated from Harvard University with a BA in Human Ecology. Geza was selected as a Rhodes Scholar from Ontario, attending Oxford University and graduating with a BA and MA in Human Sciences. He completed his studies with an MSc in Economics from the London School of Economics and Politics. Geza also represented Canada as an EPE fencer in the 1976 Olympic Games in Montreal. Geza's professional experience has included stints in government, international organizations, finance, and environmental entrepreneurship. Since 2004, he has been semi-retired, managing a few investments, mainly in the clean energy sector, and devoting himself to his family and his writing. Geza is a citizen of Canada and Hungary, and currently divides his time between Vermont and San Francisco. To learn more about Geza Tetralier and his books, visit his website at gezatetralier.com. Hi, Geza. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello, Sherry. Thank you for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. Well, let's start with a bit of background information. Uh, when did you start writing, and what was your inspiration? Oh, I started uh, writing way back in high school, actually, even before in grade school. I, I first started writing poetry in Hungarian, and then I translated some of that, and I decided maybe I should. it would be better to start writing poetry in English, so I did that. Then I translated uh, some sh- short stories for an author who wrote in Hungarian to English. And then I fell in love with writing, and I wrote the first uh, real big piece that I wrote was my uh, memoir for the children about my family's escape from Hungary. And I wrote this in my 20s, uh, originally just for uh, my children and my family to have. Uh, uh, yeah. Then I showed it to a few people, and they, they said, well, why don't you uh, try and get this published? So eventually, once I retired from my career in international finance, I started uh, going back on some of the things I'd done, and I, it was one of the things I uh, put out for publishing, and uh, the publisher picked it up in 2015, and it got published. But um, along the way, I also really uh, got interested in uh, the, the creative process and creating fiction, and so yeah. I... Uh, delved into writing thrillers uh, when I was living in uh, first in uh, Vienna. That's when I started writing thrillers uh, about some of the issues to do with the between the East and the West, the, co- the former communist world, which has really influenced me, obviously, given my background. Um, that's how I started writing. So that, that, that's really how I got into writing, was initially poetry, which I still love and I still do. And I've, yeah. I've you know, it's my third poetry collection is now coming out, um, and it's one of my passions, but I also love writing uh, fiction. Now, you have 10 published books, along with a couple of recently released or about to be released titles, and so 2019 has been busy for you so far. I want to know how you write so fast. <laughs> well, I, I just sit down, and it just pours out. Uh, yeah. Uh, once I focus on, on writing, then... Uh, and in front of my laptop, it just pours out, and the story creates itself in many ways. And 
uh, once I introduce a character, then that character also helps to shape the story. So I don't know. I just love the whole process. Uh, um, actually, it's many of the uh, things that have recently been published over the last two years are books that I wrote, works that I wrote some time ago. Although uh, the Rainbow Vintner, I guess, dates back to when, um, which is my latest uh, novel, my latest thriller, dates back to when we were living in Bordeaux, which was between uh, like, uh, 2011 and 2015. So that's when I wrote it, uh, I guess, towards the end of that period. Oh, okay. Also, the lead time with publishers, I find, is quite long. Uh, you, you submit something, and it takes at least a year for them to right. get their work. Uh, obviously, it varies from publisher to publisher. Right. So you, you said the Rainbow Vintner was uh, just released in February. What what is yeah. that about? That's about terrorist attack uh, and a far right wing uh, political coup in modern day France. It was written when, when uh, as I said, when I was living in France, and the Hollande government was uh, uh, faced with uh, quite a few jihadist uh, terrorist uh, bombings, and at the same time, there was a rising very far right uh, political movement and i try to conceptualize all that into a thriller and uh, um, i think it works uh, and uh, i bring a lot of um, our life in bordeaux at the time into the book so it's a fun book yeah and what kind of response have you received so far it's so far it's good it's very very new on the market uh, so it's hard to tell yet but it's uh, i've gotten uh, uh, five-star reviews all around so it's it's uh, good. Uh, I hope it sells. <laughs> the, the second book uh, that is just coming out, actually, it's coming out in the next week or so, is The Fencers, and it's a memoir about the uh, my, my fencing career, first of all, and then um, when I was uh, at the 1976 Olympics in Montreal representing Canada, I was approached by a uh, Romanian-Hungarian friend I had be uh, fencer I had befriended on the international circuit mm-hmm. to help defect to Canada, and so that's that story, and it's quite a nice uh, story of uh, courage on the part of the f- fencer uh, friend of Paul Subble and how he stays in Canada and makes a life for himself there. I want to hear more about you being in the Olympics. Tell us what that was like. I, I, I just made it to the Olympics, but I didn't do well there. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> It was wonderful to be uh, uh, there representing my country and walking into the uh, stadium, the Olympic Stadium, at the opening ceremony. It was one of the highs of my life, and uh, then fencing in the Olympics, but I didn't do well. I uh, peaked earlier for the national championships. Uh, So now in April, you're releasing your latest poetry collection, and this is called Extinction. What is the focus of this collection? It's really, um, it, it addresses my concern about what we're doing to the world around us, to other forms of life around us, and to ourselves in terms of uh, climate change, pollution, uh, and all of the atten- attendant ills of social disruption and conflict. Uh, so it's uh, poems that I've written over the last two years, mainly focusing on those kinds of topics. Uh, yeah. Some of the poems are lighter in nature, others are are quite introspective, and uh, the, the, po- the poetry collection is divided into three parts, the world, then other th- species, which is uh, what we're doing to other species and ourselves, and then personal extinction, so a number of uh, introspective poems about uh, death and uh, morbidity, so some of it is yeah. quite heavy. 
It's a little slide later. I'm, I'm really pleased that PRA Publishing has uh, chosen to, to, to bring it out. They, they brought out my other two volumes, Cello's Tears and Sighs and Murmurs, so I'm very pleased that they're publishing now my third one. That'll be out in April, Poetry Month, and as I found out, also Earth Month, so it's uh, a oh. double whammy. Oh, yeah, nice. You write in so many different genres. That, um, what is it like? Do you find it hard to switch gears? And do you have a favorite? Well, I have two favorites. Poetry I love. I just love painting a picture or, or trying to capture an emotion with words and uh, trying to do it as uh, tersely as possible. Hence, my, my love of haiku when I was, lived in Japan. I really started experimenting with haiku, and I just love that form. But poetry in general... Uh, just trying to capture feeling or, or uh, theme in words. Um, and and uh, what, partly why I love it is because it's fairly easy to do. Some of my poems come to me during the night. I write them down, and then in the morning I polish them and shape them, and, and uh, they're there. Whereas a, a work of uh, fiction, it, it, it's much longer uh, to create a story, and the story evolves over time. And I also love that process of um, working with... Uh, characters I create and they take a life on a life of their own and uh, this, they shape the story so it's it's a fascinating process to me how how the mind creates uh, these worlds um, and then, then captures them in words so I love fiction and uh, I love writing thrillers and and uh, poetry those are my two yeah. uh, favorites and also memoirs I just simply had to I felt I had to capture these three events in my life uh, which uh, were so uh, uh, momentous and shaping me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pretty significant events. So um, I would imagine it would be more daunting to write a memoir. Um, I would worry about, you know, getting everything just right, especially two that you've done have been for helping other people. And so it's getting their story right. What- well, what, uh, my view is that memoir at the end of the day obviously has to be subjective. So it's your take on mm-hmm. the story. And um, yes, the Certainly, I, in the fencers, the book that's coming out now in March, uh, I talked to in depth to to Paul Subo, the fencer, in my help effect, and got his his version of it. And I incorporated. But at the end of the day, it's my take on the story. And um, also, I'm uh, uh, much some of memoir. I mean, obviously, because it's subjective. Um, other people may not agree with it. That's how the facts uh, played out. So, so in my first memoir, the, uh, the uh, story of my family's escape, it, it, because it's that also because it was some time ago, quite a while ago, when I wrote, before I wrote it down, uh, the memory shapes the events to a certain extent. So uh, when I showed it to my brother, who lived through the same events, he had some differences as to how, how things happened. But <laughs> it's my memoir, so that's the way the story. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Oh, I know. I love that about the mind is so fascinating. It's right. like, did that really happen? Or was that just, right. did I make that up? You know, <laughs> that's partly why I love writing is because it, 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 exploring my own mind, uh, that whole process is, uh, is thrilling to me. Yeah. Now you've also written a children's storybook, The Waffle and the Pancake. Right. And that is such a different avenue from what you normally write. So I'm curious, what, what called you to write a children's book? When I was uh, when I younger and had um, two young children who are now grown and have their own children, mm-hmm. I, I made up these stories for them. And uh, then uh, actually 
two of them I wrote down and with a view to having my daughter illustrate them when she was young and she drew a few pictures and uh, well, but uh, so the stories are, are uh, written down and um, I rediscovered them uh, just last year or a couple of years ago and thought maybe these are worth uh, looking at for publishing so I told them to my grandchildren and they they were fascinated and um, uh, so I, I uh, polished one of them the waffle and the pancake and uh, found a publisher who was interested in publishing it and then we found it an illustrator, and it got published. The other story, which is still waiting to be published, I think it's also a fun story. It's more of a Christmas story, but uh, um, it's a bit longer than um, children's storybooks now are. I find with today's children's storybooks, a lot of them are quite formalized, and the structure, you know, it's not supposed to be more than 800 words. A lot of it is very anodyne, sea spot run. My stories are more like uh, the uh, Grimm's fairy tales and Hans Christian Andersen tales, which have a lot of uh, spooky events going on, in this, <laughs> which is what I grew up on. So yeah. that's what, those are the kinds of children's stories I like to tell. Yeah, I like that. Not not so formatted, like you yeah. said. Yeah. So what do your grandchildren think about that? Oh, they love it. And they had me go read the uh, the waffle and the pancake to their classes and uh, the children loved it i, I left uh, copies of the book at the school so oh how fun yeah it's fun <laughs> so many of your your thrillers and memoirs present russia as the evil empire and tell us about what you discovered during your research process about uh, putin's russia what one of the things i i uh, am fascinated by is the extent to which putin's russia um, still uh, is very, very similar in many ways to uh, Stalinist Russia and uh, the, the uh, corruption and the sort of uh, lack of attention to uh, important issues like human life and, and the environment. It's just not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Putin is the world's rich, richest man and he, uh, everything he does is really to... Uh, aggrandize his wealth and the wealth of those around him if you if you play ball with him you get wealthy Hmm. Um, the sochi olympics uh, in the the original budget was uh, six billion dollars equivalent in rubles Um, the the cost escalation brought it up to 12 billion and by the time it was finished it was 60 billion dollars that cost uh, so 10 times and it was basically to line the pockets of putin and his uh, his uh, cronies. Uh, That's unbelievable. Society. And, and one of the things I also did research on is uh, the extent to which the uh, structure uh, around Putin uh, and, and the, the government uh, is complicit in, in, uh, in things like arms trading and human trafficking. You know, it's, as long as they get the, their take, they, uh, they look the other way and allow it to happen. And uh, some of the arms trafficking is actually arms that, is, that are stolen from the Russian army and by, by the uh, officers and uh, filtered through to their cronies in the arms trading gangs, the merchants of evil, as I call yeah. them, who also trade, uh, trade drugs and uh, human beings. Uh, mm. And this is one of the things I explore in uh, Twisted Traffic, the, twist, uh, the second book in the Twisted Trilogy, is um, how this all plays together. Um, yeah. So that's uh, 
sort of my take on that part of the world, and I try to work a lot of that into my uh, novels and explore these issues. Um. Yeah, yeah. But you also reflect in many of your works uh, climate change and uh, global environmental issues, and so I know those uh, things are, are near to your heart or that you have a passion about. What's going on? Well, what can we do as a global society? Well, we, um, in, in some senses, we should have been doing a lot more earlier on. And actually, I uh, first uh, became an environmentalist in quotes when I was uh, a student, and I studied under Roger Ravel, who was one of the first people who brought focus onto the issue of climate change and global warming, and that it is going to be the, the central issue for mankind over the next 50 to 100 years. And uh, he was, he's been proven correct. Um, certainly the political establishment worldwide needs to pay attention, much more attention to it and listen to what the scientists are telling. And yeah. those legislation and the rules that are consistent with sustainability and taking care of our environment and other species. And we're not doing enough. We're not doing that. There's too much corporate uh, short-term interest that takes precedence over the uh, long-term uh, interests of the world around us. And... Uh, Right. That is the crux of the problem, and, and much more needs to be done at the political level. And at the individual level, uh, one can do one's bit. Uh, do you think uh, an individual can, can actually make a difference? Well, I, I think one can, but uh, a thousand can, and a million certainly can. Yeah. So, you know, it all up. Uh, so that's the way individual activism does work. And also uh, being vocal about it, which is what I'm trying to do in terms of some of my writing is, is an important, I think, contribution. So basically uh, bringing other people's attention to uh, different aspects of it. I mean, I'm trying to do that through some of my poetry, which brings dif- uh, different uh, perspectives on it. And uh, so, so other people can be doing other forms of activism. Um, and even just, you know, doing your own bit to recycle that, I mean, one of the big uh, issues now is is the amount of plastic that we've put into the environment. We were just in Kenya with my wife to visit my son, and there they've taken uh, note of that and they've banned plastic bags. So oh. you, you go to jail if you throw a plastic bag away into the street. So <laughs> that that thing does make a difference. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, that's what, that's what I mean about getting the right policies in place. Okay, so. yeah. I know here in Austin, um, a couple of years ago, they did away with the plastic bags in the grocery store. So, you know, we, we bring our, yeah. our reusable bags. And at first, right. you know, yeah, I love it now. I've, I've got my bags. I'm ready to go. But it was, it was an adjustment, yeah. but it wasn't hard. Yeah, it's a bit of a, an adjustment. Everybody has to make an adjustment in terms of doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, there's a personal cost to some of it, but uh, it's what we have to do if we if we don't yeah. want to, as I put in my poems, end up going extinct <laughs> very <laughs> yeah. sooner rather than later. So that's uh, part of what it's about. Yeah. Uh, now, I understand you've been semi-retired since 2004, but it doesn't sound like you've slowed down at all. So <laughs> I'm curious. Uh, aside from writing, what are some of the other things you are passionate about? Well, 
first and foremost family. I, I spend a lot of time with my family and uh, enjoy that a lot. I now have three grandchildren, and that's a real joy. And um, yeah, spending time with my two kids and their, their little families is great. And that's what partly why I went to Kenya. But also then, irrespective of that travel, I love. I, we still love to travel and see new parts of the world, explore the bigger world around us. And um, then I have a, a few uh, business involvements primarily with environmental companies, so re, uh, renewable energy project development companies, mm. one in uh, Canada and one in Austria, which I, I got involved with when we were living in Vienna way back when, and I'm still involved with them. And then also a fund that invests throughout Central and Eastern Europe and Africa that I, I'm on the investment committee of the Again, it's something I got involved in when we were living in Vienna and uh, helped them get started. Uh, and they, they've done wonderfully well. And I became very good friends with the managing director, a managing partner, and so I was kept involved with that. So those are my main business involvements. So they don't take a lot of time, so I have time to write. But they mm-hmm. are, are hopefully contribute the right way to the world. Um, and It's all about balance, keep, huh? <laughs> Right, and keeps me active and uh, challenge me intellectually uh, and other ways. So it's good. And, of course, then other things I love doing are reading, listening to classical music, listening to music in general, exercising, uh, going on hikes. Uh, we do a lot of that with my wife. And uh, yeah. So it's been nice to be retired since 2004. Uh, actually, uh, I left the finance world in 1999, so even earlier, and then moved to Budapest, moved back to my native country because I wanted to participate in in, uh, helping to create a a modern, democratic, capitalist uh, society. And after five years there, I left in disgust because uh, I was... uh, put out by the uh, corruption and the lack of transparency and the difficulty of doing business. So we moved to, that's when we moved to Vienna. Oh, wow. We were there for five years, which we enjoyed tremendously. And um, I consider it an, an interesting life because we moved around quite a bit with my wife. We've lived in different parts of the world and soaked up uh, many different cultures and uh, made friends all over the world. So it's been fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of great writing material, too. <laughs> well, that's, I was just going to say that. It's also given me a lot of uh, good uh, good stuff to write about and uh, to be able to uh, set my uh, novels in these different environments uh, and having been there, actually, and uh, lived there and knowing the streets, the corners, the, the restaurants, the, the food, the people. It, 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 it's uh, it's uh, a fantastic gift that I've been given and that yeah. I try to incorporate into my work. Yeah. Now, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, um, either as it relates to writing or about life in general? That's a, a difficult question, question <laughs> to answer because, um, I mean, one receives a lot of uh, advice about life and uh, other things. Uh, a lot of it tends to be platitudes, for example, mm. chill out and enjoy life, be happy, stuff like that. <laughs> At the end of the day, I think uh, one just has to live one's own life and uh, follow one's own instincts and uh, uh, likes and dislikes and uh, explore the world as one wants to. Um, uh, on writing, uh, I, I haven't, I mean, I haven't received much worthwhile advice on writing. <laughs> uh, again, so it's just 
doing my own thing. And what I would say, to just write a lot to, if, to a, a, an aspiring writer. I mean, just sit down and write and don't, uh, mm-hmm. don't have, have all kinds of commissions about it. Just apply yourself and start writing. And um, if the first thing doesn't work out, uh, if you find it a bit hard to put sentences together, just keep trying. Eventually it'll come together. Yeah. Uh, but at least that's the way I see it. Uh, yeah. um, so on advice, I, I, I don't really have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Geza, before we go, I wonder if you might share a couple of poems with us from Extinction, your most recent poetry collection. Sure, no, I'd love to. Um, I, uh, I can read the, the poem that actually gives the um, collection the title. Uh, the poem is called Extinction. It's not the first poem. It's the first poem in the second part. It's, it's appropriate uh, given some of our discussion I could also read a lighter poem, and maybe I'll, if you'd like, I can read both. They're quite short. Okay. Um, But then the poem is called Extinction. I can picture the mighty mastodon, the towering, ivoried, hairy beast that ruled and roamed this primeval earth. The fierce dinosaurs of the Jurassic, those huge, cold-blooded reptilian beasts battling each other for primacy. Through the microscope of my failing mind, in the imagined black hole of creation, I see tiny, single-celled organisms, the chemical precursors to all life. I ask, when humankind is no longer, who or what will conceive the strange being that destroyed Earth and all life, including itself, as if it had been preordained? Mm, that's, that's beautiful yeah. and haunting. <laughs> A bit haunting and a bit heavy. As, as yeah, the, yeah, I love that. So would you like me to read a lighter one? So yeah, let's end on a light note. So this one is called Mosquito, and it also comes from the second section uh, of the collection. Okay. The so Mosquito. A wanton mosquito landed on the bare skin of my forearm, attacked my feeling flesh with glee. In a drunken stupor, it gorged through its proboscis on my blood, I swatted the little bugger with lightning fury and hate and squashed it to oblivion, unmindful of the perfection of a timeless, evolved being. Over the long, torrid summer, my mosquitoes' countless mates wreak their revenge on humanity. Oh, I love that. (laughs) So that's about my encounter with a mosquito. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you so much for being here today on Inside Scoop Live. I really loved listening to all your stories and hearing about your experiences. Thank you for having me, Sherry, and I'm delighted to have done it. To our listeners, thank you for joining me today on Inside Scoop Live. To learn more about Geza Tetralier and his works, visit his website at gezatetralier.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com. 